Entrepreneurs Over 40, episode 44 with Brian Winch, talking about what he calls America's simplest business. I have a saying, if you work the business, the business will work for you. And so that, that just means quite that simply. If you procrastinate and say, no, I'm going to make those calls tomorrow and you don't do anything that day, well, you know, nothing's going to happen. You are responsible if you work for yourself for, for getting the results. You're listening to Entrepreneurs Over 40, the show for somewhat mature entrepreneurs and side hustlers. And now your host, Greg Mills. Our guest today is the creator and author of Clean Lots, America's Simplest Business. He's been involved in all aspects of the parking lot litter cleaning business since 1981. He can show you how to start and operate a simple business based from home and make money from a green service that's almost as easy to do as going for a walk. Without further ado, Brian Winch. Hi, Greg. It's great to be here. Great to have you. So, Brian, can you take a few moments and fill in the gaps from that intro and bring us up to speed with what's going on in your world today? Oh, okay. Well, um, I started uh, my business of 40 years uh, as a side hustle back in 1981. Um, I was working a a full-time job uh, as a shipper receiver in a large sporting goods company, and I quickly realized that... um, yeah, you know, working for somebody else wasn't for me. I, I needed to find some sort of uh, business that I could work uh, for myself. And uh, I knew what I wanted. I knew what I didn't want. And what I wanted was uh, to provide some sort of outdoor service. I, I really enjoyed working outdoors and just getting out within the confines of the same four walls every day. And, um, you know, I was 21 and I, um, my dad had recently passed away. And uh, with that in mind, um, I recalled that uh, uh, he was a janitor um, and he often did various side jobs, uh, you know, p- part-time jobs like clearing snow, cutting grass, but also cleaning up litter from a parking lot, uh, which was a couple blocks away from our family home. Um, and um, he'd t- taken me along with him a couple times when I was a young teenager and uh, I remembered how easy the work was to do. I mean, w- with the proper hand tools, we would walk the sidewalks, parking lots, surrounding landscape uh, outside and clean up any litter material. And th- this was done several times during the week. So we, our job was to maintain the property litter free and not go in and clean up an accumulation. And, uh, you know, I, I thought, well, you know what, maybe there's a business in this. And um, I didn't have, you know, because he passed away, I didn't have his, his uh, contact list or his experience to call upon other than the memory of, of, uh, of helping him out a couple times. And uh, I just jumped into it. Uh, the internet of the day back then was the big, fat, thick, yellow pages telephone directory. <laughs> you remember that? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And uh, so I started going through or you know, let my fingers do the walking through the real estate or property management uh, uh, listings and uh, um, cold calling and just, uh, you know, phoning up and, you know, asking, you know, uh, who's the decision maker? Do, you know, I, I need to talk to the person who's in charge of the your parking lot litter cleaning. Would you be interested in my service? And about three or four calls in, it was, um, um, I, I guess I struck gold. Um, uh, uh, the property manager was telling me that they were just having a conversation in the office that day that they weren't happy with the service that they were currently getting. And, uh, you know, they, they needed to, to make a change. 
And so they asked me um, if I would be interested in, in taking a look at uh, uh, three of their properties and getting back to them with some prices. And I jumped at it and that's how it all began. Okay, now you had a nice, safe job with a sporting goods department store, basically, right? Yeah, I mean, it was it was comfortable. I mean, nothing too challenging. I would just show up every day and and do my job, and uh, but it, it was boring. I, you know, I, I I was looking for a challenge, and and I decided, you know, if if I want to control the amount of money I make, uh, I I really needed to work for myself as opposed to. You know, just working, you know, for this employer. And, you know, basically I didn't have a lot of skills. I barely graduated high school. Um, I'm not a lot of money in the bank. And, you know, so um, I thought, well, you know, I, I need to look at some different type of business opportunities. And you know how they say, you know, there's always a ton of money to be made cleaning up after somebody else. And, you know, I, I can attest to that, you know, being in the business for over 40 years, uh, people litter, they always have, and they always will. I don't understand the psychology behind it, but there's a market there for, you know, for those of us that want to go out there and clean up after others. Is that department store, is that still around or is it gone by the yeah. wayside? Actually, okay. that, sporting, that sporting goods store, uh, was one of only two, uh, that started out and now it's a chain right across the country. Wow. I was really expecting you to say, no, it's been shuttered for years. <laughs> the only th- safe job is one that you can make yourself or one yeah, that you control. Exactly. And, you know, there's challenges. It's not necessarily for everyone, um, you know, uh, but but for those of us that uh, uh, have the self-motivation and, uh, and the creativity, uh, you know, it's a great life. Uh, and after, you know, 41 years of it, uh, I have no regrets. And, and if anyone's thinking out there uh, of uh, working for themselves, um, I would highly encourage them, uh, recommend it, but just make sure that you're doing something that you, you enjoy doing and don't just follow the money. Don't chase the bucks. Now you've mentioned your dad was entrepreneurial. Did anybody else in your family have their own business? Um, uh, my, um, mom's, um, youngest brother, um, you know, it's kind of funny. She came from a large family and every single one of her brothers and sisters went to, uh, to college and graduated with degrees, but the most successful of her brothers, um, actually only had a high school education and he went out and started an oil business of, of his own. And he became very successful, but unfortunately he passed away at an early age in his, in his forties. But, uh, mm-hmm. there is that uh, entrepreneurial spirit, uh, on my mom's side. And then of course my dad, I mean, you know, he was, uh, he was a janitor. He was an immigrant to the, to the country. Uh, he could, uh, speak English very well, but he couldn't, uh, write it very well. He was, uh, from Poland, but you know, he realized he needed to do certain things. He never complained. He never complained that, you know, you know, things were tough or whatever. He just went out and found these extra gigs or side gigs to make extra money to, to support his family. What did you want to do coming out of high school? Did you have any idea? I know I did. Well, you know what? Actually, as, uh, um, uh, as a teenager, I was quite the accomplished hockey player. And I thought for a time that, you know, well, maybe I could be, uh, be a pro hockey player. And, uh, um, but uh, all of a sudden, you know, my, uh, the last year I played, I, for whatever reason, I just decided it wasn't fun anymore. 
And uh, um, that was, uh, uh, you know, it was quite the eye opener because I always thought that I would be uh, a pro hockey player. But when I decided it wasn't fun anymore, I, I thought, well, what am I going to do? So then I thought, well, you know, maybe there's a career in sports. I could t- take my knowledge of hockey and, and turn it into to something else. And uh, I briefly looked into, uh, um, you know, a broadcasting career and, you know, thought maybe I could become a, a sportscaster, but that didn't work out well, or that didn't work out uh, at all. So so that's when I uh, started working at this, uh, uh, again, full-time at the sporting goods company that I had earlier worked uh, at as a teenager, uh, part-time when, when, when I was still playing hockey. And, um, you know, it, it, it all started basically from there, you know, uh, deciding what I wanted to do and what, what I didn't and what my passions were. When you started this business, were you married or unencumbered, no kids? Unencumbered. I, I was single. Okay. I was 21. And, uh, so I had the luxury basically uh, starting out, and and I would encourage a lot of people if you're starting out a, a side hustle to do just that. Uh, start the business out just as that uh, while you're working a, a full time job, and then it's a it's a great way uh, to learn the business and grow the business, and you have the security of the the paycheck still coming in, if you will. Okay, you've got your first client at this point. How much did it cost you to start up? What kind of tools did you have to use? Well, you know, back in 1981, I estimated it was about $250 when I started out. And, uh, um, you know, with my business, I just use simple hand tools uh, that don't cost a lot of money. You could readily buy at your uh, your home center to get started. And uh, um, so, uh, yeah, it, it doesn't take much to get started, depending on the business you start what did the majority of the $200 go towards? Was it, were you legal fees? You got it. Exactly. I, I tested the market and I had a, a willing customer who wanted to uh, utilize my services. So, so basically I had to learn, um, you know, how to, to structure, how to set up a business, you know, how to name your business and, and, and what type of insurance you needed, what type of uh, licensing or permits and uh, I did that because I, you know, I knew it had to be done. I mean, I was working for myself, so I had that self-motivation. And it's just step by step. And I didn't get overwhelmed. You, you just break down what you need to do into a plan and chip away at it until you get the results. And then before you know it, uh, uh, you're in business. Now, did you undercharge or overcharge at that point? Well, I guess I was a bit lucky. <laughs> I, um, what I thought I, I should charge uh, worked out right. and But that's a great question because sometimes, you know, everybody works at a different pace. And uh, mm-hmm. in some cases, you might undercharge. Um, if you overcharge, well, if you've got the contract, it, are you really overcharging? I mean, your customer's paying for it. But uh, down the road, you might get some uh, feedback. And, and I tell everybody. Uh, that you know what the feedback's important. You, you know, learn from what your your prospects are telling you, and adjust your pricing. You know, of course, every market throughout the country is a bit different, but you will find that sweet spot, and then just keep going with it. Okay. Now, how long was it before you were making more than your day job? Well, actually, it was only a matter of uh, a few months. You know, th- three about three months, three three or four months. And, um, yeah, I, I was making more money working part-time, uh, than I was full-time. And then I, you know, it, it dawned on me, you know, why am I still working 
here. I, yeah. I should devote devote all of my efforts towards uh, growing my expanding my business. And so, so I left my uh, job and um, I've never looked back. Yeah. How many clients did you have that first year? How'd you prospect and how many could you get a night? Uh, well, I started out with that one um, client and uh, with the three properties. And the great thing about my clientele, uh, property management companies, um, they manage multiple properties. Um, you know, they, they don't just manage one or two. They manage multiple properties. So if you do good work mm-hmm. for, for that one client, they're, you know, they're going to ask you to quote another property. So, But the trick is you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. So, um, you know, I, I divers, diversified my client base. And um, um, so, you know, I, I started getting, you know, getting um, you know, other customers, you know, two, three, four, you know, five. And then, uh, you know, each one of them would have me do one or two or three or four of their properties. And it wasn't very long before I was, you know, working, you know, full-time hours just as myself. And mm-hmm. when I started this, my intent was to keep it a very simple business and a simple one-man operation. I, I didn't want to have the headaches of of managing staff and everything. But, but at some point, um, you know, there's only so many hours in the day for Brian to be cleaning parking lots. So, so I didn't want to turn my clients down. So, um, I I brought in other people to do a lot of the cleaning for me, whether it would be, you know, part-time on weekends or, or, you know, uh, you know, um, I could meet the needs of, of all sorts of people that are looking to make extra money on the side, whether it be part-time or even full-time. And so, um, you know, uh, it wasn't very long before I had an army of people that were, that were helping me out, uh, you know, uh, cleaning parking lots uh, all over the city. So I, I started out as a, as a one man operation. And then I, I scaled into a, a, an operation with, you know, people all over the city and, 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 and it continued to grow from there. So, so, you know, when I first started out, I was quite happy to be making six figures as a one man operation, but but you know now we routinely uh, you know bill out anywhere from six hundred and fifty thousand to seven hundred thousand dollars a year, you know just in parking lot litter cleaning. Wow, that's that's amazing. Have you gotten any more specialized equipment, or is is it still pretty much the the same yeah. equipment you were using? Well, no, that's a great question because um, you know our service is uh, is pro- best provided on foot where we can walk the entire property, the, the sidewalks, parking lots, surrounding landscape, and we use simple hand tools. And um, I utilize a, a, a unique tool that allows us to clean up more material in less time. And I've been using that same tool. They still manufacture it, uh, you know, for, for 40 years. And there, there's nothing quite like it on the market. And I will see some competitors out there with, you know, various other tools like, you know, the, the, the little grabber tool where they pick up one item at a time or, or you know, a little poker stick with a, uh, you know, uh, and then they're walking around with trash bags. But, uh, you know, the tools I use, it just makes the job so much easier and so much more profitable. And, um, yeah. you know, I, I'm just kind of amazed that more people aren't using them. What are the typical hours um, well, you know, this service is best performed after hours. Uh, you know, you cannot provide this service during the day when stores are open and par- and uh, cars are parked in the parking lot because, you know, those vehicles will be parked on, t- on top of the, t- the litter material that you need to clean up, like, you know, cigarette butts, uh, fast food wrappers, uh, you know, tossed empty coffee cups, you know, things of that nature. So uh, early morning hours, um, 
you know, when I first started out when I was 21, I, I have to admit I was not the, the early morning riser. I was the night owl. So, you know, I, I would work a bit earlier then. But um, but really the best hours, and it works out really well for people who want to do this as a side hustle or, you know, part-time, uh, because you can start at three, four, five, six in the morning, seven, go as long as uh, till nine o'clock in the morning, uh, you know, cleaning up uh, the parking lots before the business is typically open for the day. Okay. So you're not having to work 7 p.m. till 9 a.m.? No. You know, I mean, when I was younger, I would put in the longer days. I would work at like an eight-hour day. But, uh, you know, as I hired, uh, you know, more people to do the work for me, um, you know, I I cut back my hours. And now, you know, I'm 62. um, I'm getting older. I I wouldn't say I'm slowing down, but uh, um, I I have scaled back the number of hours that I work. I enjoy the, doing the work, and uh, mm-hmm. but now I, I'm sharing my opportunity with other people across the country. So you know that takes up a little bit of my time during the day as well. It sounds like a great opportunity to be outside, get some exercise, you know, walk around. I had one other guest on that had a uh, Nordic walking, and I couldn't fathom that you could actually get paid to teach people how to walk, but. You're doing the same thing. I can't fathom that you're getting paid great money to pick up trash. It, it is. Yeah. I don't question the psychology behind it. And like I say, um, you know, a litter does not take any days off. It does not take uh, the seasons or, you know, off. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's winter, summer, you know, whatever season, there's stuff to clean up. And, um, you know, and, you know, when I was younger, you know, sometimes I'd see people do it right in front of me and, I kind of get ticked off, but you know, you know, I, I quickly learned that they're putting money in my pockets. So, you know, mm-hmm. it is what it is. <laughs> I just got to think, would, would they do the same thing at their house? But yeah, you know, that's, I guess that's a conversation for another day. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I will say that I think that the wind has a lot of culpability too. If somebody doesn't secure their, their trash, it just blows all over the place. And that that helps or hurts. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, and sometimes it helps us because uh, the wind will typically blow a lot of the uh, litter material into a certain area of the parking lot, which makes it easier to to gather up as opposed to it being all kind of all over the place. But like like I say, you know, we we perform our service mostly on a daily basis or or, you know, frequently throughout the week. So it's just me kind of upkeep or maintaining our customers uh, properties litter free. Okay. Now, how does winter impact your business? Because, you know, like you said, I know that there's always going to be trash. You know, yeah. You have to uh, well, you know, I mean, we, we still have to go out. Um, you know, the, the snow may temporarily mask the litter material, but the larger items you, you're still going to see. I mean, if somebody has gone through a, a drive through and, and tossed out their bag, uh, you know, of, uh, you know, fast food wrappers, you're still typically typically going to see see that and and clean it up. Um, you know any of the common area uh, litter containers on the storefront sidewalks, the their trash liners still need to be changed out. Doesn't matter what season it is, you know if it's raining in the summer or or snowing in the in the winter. And then of course you know if it does melt uh, at some point the snow will melt and then so some of the material that uh, you didn't see earlier and maybe had an easy night or easy day. Uh, now it becomes visible. Well, you got to put that time in to, to clean it up. So it, it all averages out through the year. Uh, 
the services performed uh, regardless of the weather. You just dress accordingly. Would a Walmart parking lot be a typical venue for you? It, exactly. Uh, one of my students has had great success with uh, Walmart Supercenters. And, uh, and actually, a, another student of mine from a few years ago uh, reached out to me uh, a few years, actually, probably a few years ago, and he never contacted me for free support. So I had no idea who he was. But other than the fact that he told me he bought my book a few years ago, and uh, uh, he uh, had some contracts with some uh, Walmart super centers, and he, he put his two kids through college. And <laughs> so um, wow. he's, a he's a testimonial on my website. But um, yeah, most most of the properties we tend to service are small to medium size commercial properties of various uh, natures. I mean, they could be a, a strip plaza located in a neighborhood, or it could be a small office building, or or even a small industrial property where you know you've got warehouse uh, uh, you know, office space in the front and and the bays, you know, the loading docks in the back. Uh, the larger properties, um, like the, the big mega malls, the enclosed malls, uh, typically are done in-house um, or, you know, are, are done by uh, the, their own people that they hire. But, but there's far more of the small to medium-sized properties, so plenty of business out there. Now, the small to medium size, how long does it typically take, you know, per property? And I guess we need to define what smaller, I'll let you define what smaller medium size is. Okay. Well, if you can imagine almost it, you know every neighborhood in the country where you live in there, there there's typically a, a, a little small retail or strip plaza in your neighborhood where maybe late at night you, you need milk for the morning breakfast or a loaf of bread or you know some peanut butter and you zip down there and and uh, and pick it up and you know maybe there's you know five or six or seven you know little uh, uh, shops located in it. And, uh, so, you know, that would be a candidate. And, uh, you know, if you're servicing that property three days, five days a week, you know, you could be in and out of there in 10, 15 minutes, you know, to, to, okay. to, to walk the property and clean it. And then, you know, the, we've got some larger properties, maybe, you know, 15, 20 bays, or maybe a, a grocery store, you know, where there's a, a grocery store as an anchor tenant and, you know, around it is, are some other shops and, and services, um, yeah, maybe, uh, you know, two or three story, uh, office building where there's a lot of medical or, you know, professional, uh, services, engineering companies, law firms, etc. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, and there's, you know, we've also throughout the many years we've been in business also done some of the larger, uh, you know, like the town centers or the high streets, where uh, you've got some, you know, like all, you know, Office Depot, Staples, or or like you mentioned before, even the the Walmart Supercenters or the Costco's actually are are uh, you know really good for for this, and so uh, yeah, I mean, uh, buildings of all different sizes and different prices. How do you charge? Is it by square foot? You know. Uh, actually, good question. Um, some people think, oh, well, you know, you know, you pr have a formula for square foot, but you can't do that because you can have two identical properties in, in, in size, but, um, you know, one's in a high traffic area, maybe with a high school across the street and a lot of the tenants, you know, uh, pizza, but they sell pizza by the slice and there's a convenience store, a lot of types of tenants that generate a lot of litter material. And then you might have an identical size property, which is largely professional. And uh, don't uh, doesn't tend to generate a lot of uh, litter material, so that isn't going to take you as long to service. 
So uh, in my book, um, you know, I, I, I give you a guideline as to, uh, you know, how to charge for your service by basically walking the property. And, uh, and then you learn a lot from experience too. So after a while, you can just quickly, you know, go in and take a look at our property and, and know what to charge for it. How many properties would you say you average on a typical night? Um, well, you, you know, depending on the size of them, um, and you know, there's usually a variety. I mean, you could, you could typically service about 15, 15 to 18 properties a night. Um, and wow. like I say, everyone, everyone moves at a different pace, but you know, some of these properties are, you know, five minutes, some are 10, some are 20, you know, some might be 30 and, uh, you know, just, you know, bang, bang, bang and you knock them off. And, and you, you learn from experience to be very efficient in how you walk the property and, and the shortcuts that make the properties more profitable for you. So, you know, while you might go in initially and price a property, you know, from thoroughly walking it to provide the best possible service. After a while, you're going to learn certain um, uh, efficiencies. Like, you know, for, and I'll give you, give you an example. I mean, you know, uh, maybe after six weeks of starting a property, uh, you're walking the whole rear lane and you discover, you know, the, or the thought occurs to you, you know, usually there's only two or three items back here. And, you know, it doesn't really make sense for me to continue walking it when I can slowly drive my vehicle around back where I can still see what I'm doing and, uh, and then just get out of my vehicle and, and clean up these items and then, and just be more efficient in how I service the property. I imagine you've come across some strange items in a parking lot before. What are some of the weird <laughs> items you've come up with? Well, you know what, you know, people uh, tend to be careless with their valuables. Uh, you know, I find uh, people's phones, uh, uh, wallets, but uh, mainly money, uh, you know, you know, paper bills, $5, 10, 20s. And I think it's because, you know, a lot of people, you know, will, will go into a restaurant or a bar and, uh, you know, they put their, their, uh, their, their bills in their pocket and in their car keys. And then afterwards they come out and they pull their car keys out, but out come the bills. And, uh, you know, and so, you know what, uh, uh, they're, they're there for me to clean up. Um, uh, but you know, I find all sorts of things and, and, uh, it, it's, you wonder why, <laughs> well, you know, why these items are in the parking lot, uh, you know, various pieces of underwear, if you will, this is probably a family show, so I don't want to get too much into it. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah. but, but, uh, but the most I've ever found once, and it doesn't happen all the time, but, uh, one time I found a roll of $600, um, it was right uh, in front of a, a waste dumpster that uh, I had emptied the contents of, contents of my collection tool into the waste dumpster that are always on site. And I, I happened to look down and I saw this roll of bills uh, in a tightly wound elastic band. And it was pretty grubby, and, you know, muddy and dirty. So I picked it up, took it home and dried it off. And then later I, I uh, peeled it apart when it, when it dried off. And I, I counted about $600 and, it's just amazing, um, you know, uh, how care, like I say, careless people can be, uh, you know, with their, with their valuables. Uh, but in most cases, like if I find phones and wallets, I, I, I do the very best I can to, you know, uh, get these items back to their people just by going through and finding contact mm -hmm. information. I left that $600. Thank you for <laughs> finding that for me. Well, it's already been spent. I'm sorry. <laughs> And can you tell me where you left it? <laughs> In Canada. Are there any other services that you provide or recommend that someone should offer other than the cleaning? 
Well, you know, there was a period of time where we branched out into a couple of other services because we had uh, some clients ask us if, you know, uh, Brian, do you want to do some, you know, uh, cut some grass for us? Do you want to shovel some snow in the winter months? And we did that for a while because, you know, we hadn't learned yet that the customer isn't always right. And, uh, you know, um, it kind of defeated the whole purpose of why we went into business and, you know, we enjoyed providing the service we did. And we weren't, we weren't landscapers, we weren't snow removal contractors. So we got out of that and, uh, and we, we did it fairly easily. I mean, we, we only lost one client. The rest of our clients were very happy with the service that we're, we were providing. So from then on, we decided, you know what, we're going to stay a niche service provider and focus on doing one thing better than everyone else. And, you know, there's a saying, you know, uh, jack of all trades, master of none. And we, we didn't want to go down that road and try to be everything for everyone. Yeah, I could see that being a little bit of a temptation, but I could also see from the property management perspective, hey, got this company doing a great job for us. Maybe they could do a great job with landscaping or uh, windows or whatever have you. Yeah. Well, and you know, a lot of cases, that's the way it is. I mean, um, you know, when you're prospecting, you'll often find uh, that your your prospects, property management companies, um, are using a landscaper or a large cleaning company to provide their, their litter cleaning. Uh, but that doesn't mean that they're happy with the, the litter, the specifically the litter cleaning. They may be happy with the, the landscaping and the other cleaning, uh, but they're utilizing this the, the service vendor because they're not aware of their alternatives. So, um, you know, that's one of the keys when we're marketing as we, uh, we let them know that, you know, um, uh, this is a service that we provide, uh, and that's the only service we do. And, and, uh, this is why we can give you better results for less money. Have you ever offered bounties to other companies like say a snow removal company or a window washer or a landscaper, you know, to, to find customers? Um, no, no, actually we've been, you know, very lucky over the years, uh, where we get a lot of referral business and, um, the way you market yourself, um, you know, on social media, you don't need to be everywhere and be seen by every, everyone, because, you know, basically we're a B2B business. We, you know, um, the only people interested in our service are other businesses, which are property management companies. So it's, it's great to have a profile on LinkedIn. And, uh, and then reach out to, uh, property managers and invite them to like your, your page. And then, uh, then they follow your page and, and, um, um, you know, just, you know, be where you're going to have your prospects looking for you and, uh, and you, you can pl- pick up plenty of business that way. Have you ever felt unsafe when you're doing this at night or had any problems with, uh, any of, of your employees getting harassed or anything? Uh, no, no. Uh, I guess we've been pretty lucky. I mean, you know, we've been doing this for you know over 40 years now, but, you know, we're not out at, uh, you know, midnight or 11 o'clock or, you know, like when people are at the bars or whatever, where we tend to get out there uh, early morning hours when the city's sleeping. And, uh, um, you know, it's easy to get around the city and, and uh, you know, easily see what you're supposed to be cleaning up and, and get in and get out. And, uh, but, you know, there, there's, you know, been the odd times where, you know, someone, um, you know, usually vagrants that have approached us asking us for money. So you just use common sense and 
beware of your surroundings and you're not going to whip out your wallet and, and, you know, fish through it, you know, to see if there's any coins or change, because that's an opportunity for them to grab your wallet. So we just, if we're ever approached by anyone, we just simply tell them that we don't carry cash because we have been robbed, you know, whether that, whether that's true or not, you know, it's, it's not, it hasn't been true, but, but then that satisfies them. And then they just move on to, you know, moving on down the road, you know, looking for someone else to, to get some spare change from. Okay. Now you wrote your book clean lots back in 2018. Is that correct? Or? Well, you know, the, the, the idea first came out, uh, about four years into my business. So 1981, about 1985. And I started putting together some rough drafts and it first came out as like in a booklet form and, I didn't really know okay. what I was doing. So, so, you know, that was a different business to learn, you know, you know, uh, you know, where, where to get found and, you know, self-publishing and everything. And, but then, you know, more, more, yeah, about 2018, um, you know, the first edition of the, the current book, uh, Clean Lots, America's Simplest Business came out and, uh, um, yeah, um, uh, it, it's done quite well for us and, and, uh, you know, the, the majority of my income still comes from cleaning parking lots, but, um, you know, I thought this is a great opportunity for other people that are starting out that maybe were in the same situation that I was back in 1981, and I, I'd like to help them out. And it's one way that I can kind of pay homage uh, and honor the memory of my dad, because uh, it was originally his side hustle. And, uh, um, you know, I provide free support as well. Um, and I can do that because it works. And uh, not everyone reaches out to me, not everyone who buys my book. Uh, I hear from, because uh, I understand f- from the price point, uh, a lot of people that buy my book probably buy other books and w- with good intentions, you know, one day they're going to start a business, but um, you know what? I don't question their, their uh, uh, motivation, but uh, I am there. You know, if people are serious uh, about starting the business, uh, I offer, uh, you can, my contact information is in the book. Can you describe a little bit of what the book is is it basically an operating manual or for how to do this yeah i mean um w- one of the things i decided when i uh put the book out there is i i didn't want to franchise it because it's such a simple business i wanted to to make it available to to my market like you know people that don't have a lot of money and uh, uh to get you know and they want to start a business of their own and, and they they have the passion for it and they're going to be self-motivated and so uh um, you know, I, I, that's when I decided to, to market it as a, as a book, as opposed to a franchise, but like a franchise, uh, I, I likened the book to be like a, an instructional manual and it comes with support. In my case, I provide the free support. Uh, it, it, the only difference is you don't have to pay royalties or franchise fees. You learn the business, every penny you make is yours. What, what are some, like some typical support questions you might get? Well, uh, you know, a lot of people, they're starting their first business and they, they want to know, well, where do I begin? You know, and, and in my book, I have a, a 10 step, uh, action plan, you know, like listing one, one through 10, this is how you should start the business. And, uh, and then, you know, my contact information is in the book as well. So if, if they want to reach out and say, well, you know, I, you know, I, I, I'm overwhelmed. And so, um, I, I basically tell them just break it down into steps as is outlined into the book or in the book. And, uh, 
you know, just chip away at it, you know, uh, day by day, week by week, month by month. And at some point, if you work your business, your business will work for you and you'll be rewarded. Is there a typical profile of somebody that excels doing this, uh, following the steps in your book? Well, I, I, you know, like I would say, you know, someone who is self-motivated, um, you know, not, I, I will admit not everybody, uh, will start or can start a business or should be in business. Uh, and so the greatest attributes you should have, uh, are the passion, the patience and the persistence that you bring, uh, to whatever endeavor that you're, you're going to start. And, uh, uh and then like, I'm perfectly willing to be your coach and, and coach you through it. And then you, you learn from doing, and, um, you know, uh, you're going to make mistakes along the way, but you learn from those. And then at some point you can look back at those and, and, uh, and, 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 and oftentimes be glad you made those mistakes because you've learned from them, but, but then you, you become better from them and you, it's a growth experience. And, um, you know, anyone who started a business can attest to that. Now, you mentioned a, f- a few uh, success stories. Do you have any others that have, of people that have implemented the Clean Lots program for their own? Oh, well, yeah, I, there was one fellow early on that uh, actually ran a sweeping business up, up in the Northeast. I can't remember if, remember if it was New Hampshire. And, uh, and he decided to get into, uh, you know, the parking lot litter cleaning business. And he became so successful that he ended up s- selling all of his uh, street sweepers and uh, just focuses on providing the, uh, the you know, the, the litter cleanup year round. Is there anything I haven't asked that you feel like we need to cover that, that, that maybe somebody should know about? Well, like I say, um, I kind of touched upon it earlier. Um, you know, make sure you get involved in a business for the right reasons. Uh, you have to decide what you're willing to do, what you're not willing to do. And uh, you, you don't necessarily have to be passionate about it, but you, you at the very least have to like what you do. And if you don't, you're going to give up. Uh, so don't chase the money. Don't get involved in something where you think, oh, you know, I can make a fortune doing this. Because if you if you don't care for it, you don't really like what you're trying to sell. Uh, you know, at the first sign of trouble, you're, you're going to find an excuse to, to get out of it and then, you know, move on to something else. Okay. What's the number one piece of advice that you can give for our listeners? And you may have just given it, but. <laughs> well, besides that, like I say, uh, um, you have to be self-motivated. And, and I mentioned it earlier, um, I have a saying, if you work the business, the business will work for you. And so that, that just means quite that simply. Uh, you know, if you, if you make excuses that, you know what, uh, I know I'm going to, I'm going to do that tomorrow. If you procrastinate and say, no, I'm going to make those calls tomorrow or, or, and, and you don't do anything that day. Well, you know, nothing's going to happen. So, you know, you are responsible if you work for yourself for, for getting the results. I mean, you don't have to do everything. Um, you can always, you always find experts. You can find people to, to help you out. Uh, uh, but you know, you're in charge of finding solutions and, and taking those steps forward. Okay. What's the best way for people to check you out, Brian, and get in touch with you? Uh, well, I, I tell people to go to my website at cleanlots.com and, uh, um, for a couple of reasons, uh, on the homepage, there's a free report. Uh, people can download a free PDF and, and it kind of goes into, is this the right opportunity for you? 
you know, so it's not a hard sell. I mean, I don't want to sell my books to people that aren't sure, you know, or, or don't want to do it. And because uh, I don't want to waste my time providing you know, support to, to somebody who's really not into it. And then also on my website, on the second page, um, or, you know, if you scroll down to the opportunity page, there's a three minute video. And uh, it uh, I, I encourage people to check that out because it shows me doing the work and using the tools that I use to clean up the litter. And, and, and yes, you can clearly see it. It's almost as easy to do as going for a walk. Well, that's a wrap. Thank you, Brian, for being a guest on Entrepreneurs Over 40. Thanks, Greg. It's been a pleasure. I had a great time. If you'd like to leave feedback on this episode or suggest a guest, you can reach me at eo40show at gmail.com. That's eo40show at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe in your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss it or any other episodes. Thank you for listening to Entrepreneurs Over 40. Check us out at entrepreneursover40.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast directory.